Well, hello, everyone. This is Jessica. And this is Caitlin. And this is the Calling All Spirits podcast. How are you, Caitlin? I am sore. (laughs) I was on my feet way more than usual yesterday, but it was a lot of fun. I got to go to Fredericksburg, Texas. I drove, woke up way before dawn to get there on time. But Joey and I went to help out with the the War of the South Pacific event that they do. Awesome. And it was amazing. And it was interesting to be a volunteer instead of a museum person myself. <laughs> yes. And then because when we were getting ready to um, clear up at the end of the day, like we helped Company K kind of clear everything out. I looked over the fence line and I saw a cemetery on the other side of the road. So after being on my feet for several hours and being in great pain because I haven't been on my feet as much with this new job, I promptly went to play in the new cemetery. (laughs) And then I found out there was another and then there was another cemetery across the city, the Catholic cemetery. So I I spent an extra hour and a half walking around cemeteries. Um, Joey did not join me. He sat in the car and listened to his (laughs) audio book because he was done being on his feet for the day. Yes. But... I I forget how much I'm out of practice with my being on my feet. And then, like, my ribs will up and get sore. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, that sounds amazing. Fredericksburg is so beautiful. Like, I love it. Really it really is. I, I had hoped to be able to, like, you know, get a drink and have maybe, like, a pretzel or something after we were done. Yeah. But once we left the Pacific Combat Zone and, like, had finished up over there... Mm-hmm. It processed in my brain that it was Saturday of Labor Day weekend in Fredericksburg. <gasps> right. So there was no parking. And so we uh, we drove back through. We had to drive through Austin anyway to get home. Uh-huh. We stopped at a different brewery and I got tacos and I had a, had a beer and it was lovely. But it was... It was a lot easier finding parking in downtown Austin than it was in Fredericksburg yesterday. Wow. I, oh, my goodness. I, I wouldn't have even thought of that, but you're right. Oh, well, that's wonderful. And what what a nice place to spend your Saturday. Yeah. And I got to be helpful because, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I go to like new events or new conferences and stuff, if I have a job to do, I feel a lot less awkward. Yes. Yes. And so being able to go and meet a lot of people and have a reason for being there made me feel a lot better. And yeah. so it it went beautifully. We made new friends and we are very likely going to be called out again because we shared how happy we were to be there and they <laughs> took us seriously. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And people, we're always needing volunteers. So if you express any interest, you will be called. Exactly. Like, I realized what I was doing as I was doing it, and I couldn't stop myself. So I know we're going to be called back. And it'll probably be harder next time, because this time we had a whole troop of Boy Scouts out there to help set up the pop tents, take them back down again at the end of the day, and, like, move them to storage. And I'm like, if we don't have the Boy Scouts next time, this is going to be a lot harder. Oh, my gosh. I know. The the little bit, well... Not per- not real reenacting, but kind of what I did with my job reenacting for a while. Yeah. That was the worst part was like the tent set up and all that. I just dreaded it. I didn't mind tent set up for that stuff so much as I hated tent breakdown at the end of the day because like you're so ready to be done when the mm-hmm. kids are gone and then you have to clean up. That is very true because you're exhausted at that point and you're over it. <laughs> yes. You're like, can't I just like, of all the times that we really wish for actual factual bewitched level magical powers <laughs> is at the end of an event when we don't want to move anymore and we still have to clean up. Yes. A hundred percent agree. <laughs> yeah. But that's my drama. I'm sore and in pain. How are you? <laughs> I am. I am good. I am good. We are just... Hanging out at the house. My husband has the smoker going. And I thought about in our last podcast on the Claire's when we talked about the difference between like Texas barbecue or like, <laughs> and, like we are doing the real barbecue. We are smoking. He has been up since 4 a.m. chopping wood and getting it going. So since he started at 4 a.m., that means I got up about 5 a.m. Oh, no. And just kind of laid in bed and was like, oh, really? But no, we are good. And I thought today, since we talked about it on the last podcast, we should give an update on the Ouija board. Yes. Did you or did you not go back and get the very old Ouija board from the <laughs> antique shop? I did not. And I feel like I'm going to disappoint so many people. And it makes me sad to say that, too. But I did go back. Actually, I think I went to look at it twice. Like, I, I went back and I actually, and when I held it, I don't know what it is. Now, I don't think it's evil. I don't think anything like that. But just the energy on it, I just didn't love it. There was something that every time I held it, I was just like, oh, 
I just get a weird vibe from it. And I'm like, do I really want to bring that energy into my house? And so I, the fact that I kept putting it back, I was like, I don't think this is the Ouija board for me. I, I, I think it's, maybe it can go, maybe it's just not meant for me. Maybe it's meant for somebody else. So it, as far as I know, it's still at the shop, but no, it, I don't know. It just didn't feel quite right. And like you said in your advice, if you hesitate, don't buy it. And I hesitated twice. So no, I don't have the Ouija board. I'm still on the lookout because I will totally buy one. I just don't think it was that one. That was not the one for me. That's fair. And I we we talked about it when we were first talking about it. Like the the older ones that are like made from carved wood, oh we we would be hopeless in, in the face of not buying that. But if you're interested oh, yeah. in a new one, the uh, what is it? The Oddities and Curiosities Expo or something? That's where the mm-hmm. seller that made mine was. Like mine's a new one. Oh, cool! And so yeah. it doesn't have a lot tied to it, and it's moved from place to place because it goes along with expos. So it's not like anything right. can sit on it long enough to get tied to it. So if you want a new one instead yeah. of a really old one, you can try seeing when that comes back into town because I don't know when that's coming back into either of our towns. But I think they went to Houston before they went to Austin last year. Oh, very cool. No, I, I'm totally into it. Yeah, I I would love to have a Ouija board. And it's kind of like you said, if I ever found an old one from like turn of the century, it, it wouldn't matter what that thing was doing. It could be talking out loud, shaking flying around the room, I would bring that home. It would come mm-hmm. home. <laughs> like It would be mine. So yeah, so I'm still on the lookout, but not that one. So I am curious because um, I'm usually in that area. Like, I'll probably keep going upstairs <laughs> just to look at it. And be like, it's, it's one of those that I want it so bad, but something in me is like, no, not not that one. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like fine. Yeah, that's fair. When so. Of all the things that we have to be able to Make sure we stick to when it comes to do as I say and not as I do. No, no. Do as I say and I need to do as I say. If it feels yes. weird, don't do it. So, yeah. I know. I know. But maybe it's just somebody else wants it more than me. And it's like, nope, I'm going home with someone else. It could be as simple as that. It could be. You never know. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, there is the update on the Ouija board. But I'm still on the lookout. So, if anybody finds one, especially like late 1800s, early 1900s, yes. like send me a link. Unless it's like four or five hundred dollars, then don't break my heart. Don't even let no, me know no. But it. definitely take pictures and tag us in it so we can at least see it, even yes. if we can't buy it. Please, please. But anyway, but I'm ex- I'm actually excited about this podcast. Yeah, me too. I think this is going to be a fun. I one. was feeling kind of bad because we had so many things happen with interview cancellations and your kid going back to school and my life going haywire for other reasons. Like, I was feeling really terrible that we weren't going to have a good episode for everyone. And then we realized how many amazing questions we had from people that hopefully y'all will enjoy this as much as we do. Because we're excited to answer some of these and to see what the other one has to say. Because I really want to know Jess's answer to some of these. I know. I thought about that, too. I I, I agree. And, and I want to do these throughout the year because I think it's fun to have a chance for our listeners to fire, like if there's stuff, I was about to say fire questions, at us, but <laughs> send us questions. If there's stuff they want to know, like, I mean, hopefully we can answer it and, um, or at least we can share our thoughts. But yeah, I think it's going to be really fun. I'm really curious to see what you say on some. Same. So yes, I guess unless we have anything else we want to share, uh, we can get into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll just start at the top. So one that uh, our listeners sent in the question, if you had to watch one movie every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Bonus points if it's spooky slash haunted themed. <laughs> so you go first, Caitlin. What would be yours? So my knee jerk reaction is The Mists of Avalon, the miniseries Ooh. with Angelica Houston and everybody in it, because it hit me hard when it came out when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. But I also never turn it on, so I feel like a more accurate answer would be Hocus Pocus. <laughs> I love it. But no, Mist of Avalon is absolutely one of my favorites. I know there's some problematic themes that have come out about Marion Zimmer Bradley, who wrote the original book it's based on. But mm-hmm. the way they control the mists, the way they influenced you know Arth- the Arthurian court, and it's a, it was a different mm-hmm. spin on the mythos around King Arthur and I love stories of King Arthur so it was kind of not surprising to anybody that I took to it so hard but it's a mini series and it's long so I never turn it on (laughs) (laughs) yeah what about you 
Okay, well, um, and I hope this isn't a theme, but this is me being indecisive. But I have two, but my I think I narrowed it down to my top pick. You're going to laugh is Ghostbusters. <laughs> it is and the original, the very well, even though I like number two and and the newest one, Afterlife. But the original number one Ghostbusters, it, it's just like one of my all time favorite movies. I loved it when I was a little girl. My parents even got me a little Stay Puffed Marshmallow doll. Aww. That I have passed on to my son now. And i it's funny, but it's got a scary element. So that's my number one. But my close second, I kind of went back and forth, is Practical Magic. Ooh, I forgot about Practical Magic. I mean, I have loved that movie. Just the aesthetic and the house, but the soundtrack. Like, I can, li- I have so, many of th- so much of that soundtrack on my um, music list at all times. Like, I just love the music. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it was a hard toss up on which one was number one, but those would be my top two. Oh, not going to lie. See, I turn on Practical Magic more than I turn on Hocus Pocus, but I had Hocus Pocus on the brain because I watched it three days ago. (laughs) Well, no, I know it was hard. And some of these questions, I'm like, I'm going to answer it today. And then like later this afternoon, I'm going to be like, oh, my gosh, that would have been my (laughs) right. (laughs) So it's tough. Or if anyone asks us this question again in like six months, we'll have completely different answers. Because, yeah, yeah, no, Practical Magic is insane. I actually... um, because I was burning through so many audiobooks, I actually was able to borrow from the library the rest of that series, like the <gasps> oh. prequels and stuff that are part of the story. And they are surprisingly well written, like not surprisingly, like the author doesn't know what she's talking about. But because the stories are so different from the Practical Magic story, uh-huh. you'd think that they wouldn't read the same way, but they all hit the same way internally when you're li- oh, I listen to them. Um, they were really right. good. Like she had the story of Maria Reynolds. They had the story of the aunts and it was yeah. so interesting. And it was things like, so um, the aunts in practical magic, we know that it's uh-huh. aunt Frances and aunt jet. Yeah. Jet is short for Bridget. <gasps> did not know that. Neither did I. <laughs> wow. I, I need to read those because I have to admit, like, I've seen them, but I love Practical Magic so much. I was kind of scared if I'd like the others. But that makes – and I need a new book. So that – I'm going to look into that. Yeah, they're really good. I enjoyed them a lot. And the story of Maria Reynolds was so not what I expected. Oh, that's – oh, I'm so excited. Like, yay, <laughs> new book recommendation. Right, yay. Well, that's awesome. Okay, well, that was a fun one to get started with. Yeah. You get to go first on this one, so I'll ask the question. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite ghost experiences slash spiritual moments and why? Okay, this is one of the hardest ones to answer because it was like, I've had so many. How do I even pick? So I narrowed it down to my very first experience I had, despite when I was little, because I know stuff happened when I was little, but like as an adult, um, I had just had my son. I was not taking classes. I was doing nothing. I didn't even, I didn't know I was a medium. I didn't believe I was a medium. And, um, I was driving my son to daycare and I'm, somebody cut me off and I missed my exit and I'm like, Oh, fine. We're going to be late. So I had to go all the way down to the next exit and it goes right by a prison, an old prison, which you'll know. And I don't know what it was because I wasn't thinking about spirits. I was thinking I'm going to be late to work. But something probably now Claire Cognizant said this happened for a reason. I'm like, okay, why did this happen? And I just started getting a download of information. I got a name. I got an age. I got how this person passed. I got they were in prison because they um, had been a thief. I got, I mean, it was just like a download. And at that time, I'm like, okay, I'm making up a story in my head right now. Like, I just thought I was making it up in my head. And I'm like, okay, well, here we go. But I just, it was just, now I know it's clear cognizance. That's what was happening. So I got to work and I told one of my coworkers, I'm like, you're going to think I'm nuts, but I have to tell somebody what just happened. And we wrote it all down. And it was a couple of weeks later, we were doing, we were working on an exhibit about um, the convict leasing system. And the gentleman I had picked up was named Ernest. And she, she texted me. She goes, I think I found him. And everything I had said was spot on. Oh my goodness. And I swear, I don't think I've had one work that well. <laughs> like, I don't. But um, I would say, and that just blew me away. And that was the first moment I was like, wait, is this real? Mm. Like, can can I actually do this? Is And so, um, and then after that is when I started taking classes much later. So I'd say that was probably the most memorable one because it was really my first one. So 
There you go. What about you? I've gone back and forth on a couple of these because I have ones like the handprints on the bed that we already shared pictures of. And I loved that one because it's easy to show evidence of, Mm -hmm. but it's also like not super provable because we don't know who could have touched the bed when no one was looking. Right. But I kept thinking about it. And I think my favorite one uh, was back in 2020 when I had Mm -hmm. actually two friends die that year. Both, we're not sure if it was COVID or not, because they both died of heart-related issues. So, and we know how COVID Mm -hmm. has heart problems that can last a long time. But um, my friend, she was younger. She was only in her 40s, and it hit all of us really hard. But she was Mm -hmm. a spectacularly enthusiastic person. Like, (laughs) I tried to be other people, and it didn't work. So I looked at myself, and I'm like, I'll just be me and go pro. Yeah. And so I adore her in so many different ways. And there was really no stopping her from moving around. Like we talk about ADHD Mm -hmm. and stuff. Like I think she took hers and harnessed it to make it a superpower. (laughs) That's awesome. And when she first passed, I wanted to say, I want to check in on her and see how she was doing. Because I, it it can be jarring when you pass. And it was, it was heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time. She was, mm-hmm. she was there. She was present. She was moving her way around to the different family members and friends who wanted to say goodbye. And mm-hmm. like four or five days later, I want to check on, in on her again. And I swear, she came in just long enough to be like, I'm busy. What? <laughs> like, if it's not important, I need to go do other things. I'm like, you know what? Fair play. Have fun. Because <laughs> she was always That's busy awesome. in life. So the fact that it was still her personality coming through, I'm just like, yes, <laughs> I love you so much. Go on. Take take the afterlife by storm, babe. Go. <laughs> I love it. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. That's a great story. Yeah, I like that one. That's probably one of my favorites, especially the last five, six years. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Well, very good. Well, it's your turn to go first. So I'll read the next one. What is your favorite piece of advice someone has given you? This one stymied me hard because I don't know, especially since the way I take advice is always like an interpretation of what they said. It's almost never (laughs) what they meant. Right. Probably the one that affected me the hardest through my or not the hardest affected me the most through my life was when I was in junior high. And this is kind of like my first example of I don't have friends that aren't neurodivergent, I think. I think every friend I've ever made in my entire life, it turns out, may have been this way. Because I was in seventh grade, and there was a small group of us that we all knew each other for different reasons. And for mm-hmm. some reason, there was like a universal light bulb that all three of us had the same day. But one of them piped up with, there is no such thing as normal. So if you're normal, by default, you're weird, because that's not a thing. So you might as well just be weird. I that and that was basically like my core anthem for like life after that i went through high school the same way went through college took on the museum world with like like i'm gonna pass for normal (laughs) normal's not even real anyway and if i was normal you'd all look at me like i was crazy (gasps) oh what a brilliant piece of advice though like i love that and i'm so glad that i got it so young too i was like 12 13 years old wow i mean how many of us could have used that back then I mean, that's, it makes me think, I'm having to think of that quote. There is a quote similar to that from Practical Magic. Oh, being normal is vastly overrated and it rather denotes a lack of courage. Yes. Yes. That's what I just Yes. That also happened oh. around the same time when we watched Practical Magic. So I had Aunt Frances in one ear and Valerie in the other ear. And it was, it was very much uh, impactful because I didn't want to be a coward and not be myself. And... They weren't wrong. Mm-hmm. Being normal is exhausting because you're trying to figure out what version of normal is normal around you. Because what's normal in California is different than what's normal in Maine versus normal in Florida versus normal in South America or Australia. Like, it's so relative per family and per environment. Like, figuring out how to be normal all the time, I don't have the processing power for that. Yeah. I love that. I think that's so beautiful. What about you? Oh, th- you know what's funny? This is the one that threw me for a loop, too. Like I, and I know I'm, there's so much. So the one that kept coming to my mind is so simple, but I kind of based it around my advice around my mediumship. And when, um, we talked about this with the Claire's, but when someone finally said, open your eyes, when you're reading, open your eyes, don't keep your eyes closed. That just changed my mediumship from here on out. Because that's, for me, it may not work for everyone, but that's probably one of the greatest pieces of advice because that's when I started getting a lot more of my clairs to open. 
Um, instead of just being clairsentient, I was suddenly clairvoyant. I was getting claircognizance. It just, it really changed the mediumship game for me. So it's very simple, but that one, but the other one that I think changed it too, there were so many, and we're going to talk about this in one of my book recommendations, because I was going through one of my books that has advice. I'm like, you just need to read the whole book. Like, <laughs> like I couldn't pick one, but I think also, gosh, just trusting the trusting that spirit is there, trusting that they're all around you. Because some people, I don't know about you, Caitlin, but I would be sitting in my classes and everybody else in my classes would be like, oh, I feel all these spirits around us. Don't you feel them? And I'd be like, nope. Like, I I, I don't feel them. But I, so I had to learn to just trust they're there and believe in myself. It's all about trusting and believing in yourself and that you can do this. And just that's, it seems so simple, but that kind of changed the game for me and that it's and that we all do it in our own way and that's beautiful and stuff. But just sitting there and trusting in your own abilities, trusting in your power and trusting that spirit is there with you. And when it's time to go, they're going to be there. And it, like I said, it sounds simple, but every time I get nervous and it's my turn to read in my head, I'm like, just trust and then bam, there they are. So um, I guess those were some of the best pieces of, of advice. But um, I have a book recommendation that has so much more. <laughs> that's that's actually really good advice because opening your eyes can translate to like just go ahead and see what you have in front of you. Like don't overthink it. But also mm-hmm. the fact that it's trust yourself along with it. That's super impactful. It, it really is. And working. Yeah. I'm trying to put it in the right words. I think that's the biggest thing because one of my mentors who I'm going to talk about her book, she always said, she always hears mediums say, I trust the spirit world, but I don't trust myself. Mm. Like I trust them, but I don't trust me. And just learning like you got to trust you. You've, You've got the power. It's in you. You just have to believe that because otherwise... I, I don't know. It's like it, it's working on yourself more. I think and I, I'm just now learning this. So please know, like this has been a in the past couple of months <laughs> having to go through that work. Maybe this is what they call shadow work. Maybe I'm finally doing it. I'm not sure. But having to work on myself because I have to get myself in the right place before and then that will help my mediumship. All I thought is I just work on my mediumship. I just work on with on my connection with spirit. No, you got to work on yourself a whole lot to get this, to make this work really well. So um, you got, uh, I hope that makes sense. I feel like I'm rambling on that, but I hope that makes sense. No, it makes a lot of sense, actually. Like the analogy that jumped into my head was it's like a CB radio. You have to tweak the controls and everything to make sure the messages come in clearer. Like Somebody else can talk as much as they want, but if your speakers are fried or if you're not on the Mm -hmm. right dial setting, you don't hear as much. So working on yourself makes sense because then the frequencies come in better. Yeah, I just yeah, I just had one of my mentors say the other day he was like, Jessica, you're a brilliant medium. You just have to know you are. He's like, you're the one that doesn't believe it, not the spirit world. And I was like, oh, yep. okay." Okay, I'm going to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> they know you're fabulous. You need to catch up. Basically, yes, because I'm not believing it. So um, there you go. Gosh, that is a thought-provoking question. That was the one I was like, this one's, I'm going to have to really think on this one. <laughs> yeah, that one. Like a couple of these I thought about in advance. That one I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say when we get to this question. So we're going to find out when I get there. <laughs> I was the same way. Yeah, so I apologize for <laughs> rambling. It was like I was working it out of my brain as like as I was going on that one. Absolutely fair. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so is it my turn to go first? I don't know. I've already lost track. Yes. So how about yes? <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. What are some of the things you wish you would have known before you started on the spiritual path? Okay. This one was easy for me. First of all, everyone has this ability. It is not just a select few. Anybody can be psychic. Everybody can be medium. We all have this. And number two, it's not like what you see in the movies or on TV, because that's exactly what I thought it was going to be like. I thought if I wasn't basically living like the ghost whisperer or the sixth sense, then I didn't have this ability. And it's, it's really almost nothing like what they show in the movies. So, um, 
those are the two things I wish I had known very early on in this journey. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I think I have a version of that one when it comes to it not being like Hollywood, because I I think I was told that pretty early on, because like I talked in our intro episode, like I, I grew up around a lot of this, but the way people talk about how they grew their gifts mm-hmm. made it sound more like Hollywood. And I don't know how much of that was them trying to pull examples that made sense to other people mm-hmm. and how much of it was them wishing they could get there. So that was their goal. Mm-hmm. So I wasted a lot of effort trying to figure out if I could get to that place where if I practiced enough or if I right. opened myself up differently. But that kind of circles me back to my number one thing is I wish I had known more not to trust myself with spirits because mm-hmm. I was really good about boundaries and and setting myself up in that scenario like where I, I knew I trusted that I was seeing Faye in the house or I trusted that that mm-hmm. was a spirit trusting my voice to explain that to the living is what oh. I really wish I had had better knowledge about when I started because mm-hmm. Like, my dad didn't believe in ghosts at all until his brother came for a visit and was, like, woke up the next morning sharing that he felt like somebody was sitting on his chest all night. And my dad was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's true. Meanwhile, (laughs) my mom's in the corner like, we talk about this all the time, and now you believe it because your brother said it? Get out. (laughs) We don't want to talk to you right now. So, like, figuring out who I could talk to and how, obviously, was something I picked up pretty quickly, because you know who you can't talk to about this early on. Mm -hmm. But, like, holding your ground and being like, no, I know this is a thing that's going on. Mm -hmm. Stop calling me crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, having that tone in my voice would have been a nice thing to know how to do earlier on. Um, Yeah. If that makes any sense. I don't know. Yeah. No, it does. It really does. Absolutely. Okay, well, you get to go first on this one. (laughs) So the next question is, what drew you to this spiritual path? I haven't the foggiest idea. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, it sounds like a cop out. But I mean, you've seen my life. I... I work with the dead constantly. Like it started where they were just around a lot when I was younger and I just got used to it. And I was scared of cemeteries as a child. And I moved through that. I was fascinated with Victorian death practices and ancient death practices and how people mourn and they grieve and how to deal with the dead. And it's my full time life. It's just everywhere. So I don't know if, if, if I was drawn to it or if this is the pool I've been swimming in my whole life and I had to learn how to how to stay above water. I don't I honestly don't know. No, I, I kind of honestly, I kind of had the same answer because it's all I've known since I was a little girl. I've just like I said, I know I had and I'm doing the little quotation marks an imaginary friend for a long time when I was little. <laughs> Your dad I, knowing their name threw oh. me hard in that interview. Not going to lie. Oh, no, it was Rika. And she was with mm-hmm. me for like a year or two. I and I would you know what, what I would do? I had a little it was I think it was a real phone, but it wasn't connected, obviously. Yeah. But I would sit there and I'd just talk to her on the phone for like hours every day. I was just always talking to Rika. And you knowing her name makes a lot of sense, but when the parents can pull up the name from their yeah. memory, that's those are the ones that like, okay, you have my attention kind of situations. Oh yeah. And my grandparents, everybody knew because I was always talking to her. And one day, apparently, I just said, okay, she's gone. Like, I just announced, like, she's she's gone. And they were like, okay. And I never talked to, talked to her again, which is so kind of, like, it's really interesting. Like, I feel like I need someone that's really experienced in this to just, like, dive into that whole <laughs> thing um, with me. Because sometimes I wonder if she was a spirit or maybe a guide or something like that. Um, but anyway, but but that's to say, like, since I was little, I was always fascinated by ghosts and haunted places and the spooky. That's just what I always loved and gravitated towards. So I think it was just a natural progression. I became fascinated with mediumship well before I even knew I could do mediumship. I just thought it was fascinating. And it just continued on so yeah I don't remember a time I wasn't interested in this or like a a, a cause it was just like I was kind of born fascinated with it that makes sense and it sounds like with your first experience while driving the kid to school or to daycare this one also kind of 
it 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 was drawn to you. You weren't drawn to it. Yeah. And and it and it hit me, I don't even want to say a little later in life, but it, I mean, you know, again, I thought it had to start when you were little and be there with you all the time. But I, I really feel like we kind of come into the our own when it's time for us. And for some, that's when they're really young. For some, some of the ladies I take class with, they're in their 60s or 70s or 80s. And that's, it's kind of like, that's when it's their time to really step into this world. So it's, it's really fascinating. Agreed. When it happens. And like, I think we underestimate how much we put up blocks as we're growing mm-hmm. through our childhood. Mm-hmm. And realizing that the blocks are there is part of what I think draws us to try to practice more. Yeah. So like, yeah, everybody may have had it when they were a kid, but then you're learning about it when you're maybe in your 20s, but more likely, like you say, your classes, 60s, 70s and 80s, because you realize that the blocks are there and you're trying to undo them more than anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's not there through your whole childhood because it, it was stopped by you for some reason or another. Yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't see it until I started learning and developing where I know I put up those blocks when I was little. Like, it's kind of those things, like going into rooms and not understanding why I was scared to be in those rooms when nobody was there. I just kind of thought I was just a scaredy cat as a kid. And now I know I was I was sensing spirit, like as an adult. And I, I know I put up a block of like, I'm scared. I'm scared. I don't want to feel this. Um, but that's taken time to kind of like unpack how I did that. And I think that's why even as an adult, and you know this, I'll walk into a room, a lot of times I won't feel spirit. So I'm, I'm getting better, but a lot of times I won't. And I think that was a defense mechanism I put up as a kid. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because it would terrify me. So It can be pretty terrifying. I don't blame you at all for that. Even when they're not scary. I think it was just like my great grandma and like people that love me, but you don't understand that when you're little. It just, and it just feels uncomfortable. And it doesn't help that when you share with your parents or with someone around you and you want to know who the person in the in, in the other room is, they have their blocks up too. And they're like, there's yeah. no one there. And they start yes. freaking out. So you learn the fear around that on top of the fear you have of who is this person? Exactly. Great question. I like that one. Okay. I think it's your turn to read the question. So what is your go-to ritual for when you want to bring extra positivity into your life or someone else's life? Okay, um, I, I was hoping I'd have a mo- more profound answer for this, <laughs> like something beautiful like a crystal or this. It's not. When I need to bring positivity positivity into my life, I'll turn on my favorite happy, silly TV show or movie or even a, ha- a podcast that makes me happy because I feel like that's the way I can get into a really good headspace really quickly. If I just... I mean, so honestly, that's what it is. Like when I'm sad, it's like, okay, I'm going to turn on The Office or I'm going to turn on my favorite (laughs) TV show. And that gets me in a really good, happy, positive place. So that's my go-to. Mine is similar to an extent, actually. Um, It definitely does not qualify as a ritual. But basically, my first move is exactly what you said, like the the playlist that I need or the Uh TV show or the movie. And I mean, not going to lie, that was why I turned Hocus Pocus on the other day. It was a rough day and they made me happy. (laughs) But especially if it's a chronic problem, because like if it's just a weird dip day where I'm not feeling stuff, that does the trick. That alone. But when it's chronic and it's an Mm -hmm. ongoing problem, I start checking my space, Um, Mm -hmm. like the space immediately around me. And then also my like bedroom space Mm -hmm. and stuff, because... I learned with some toxic people in my life as a child that I had to undo connections to. Somebody Mm -hmm. sapping your energy can be why you're not in a good headspace. Yeah. And so making sure that there's no one pulling from you or making sure that you don't have like a crack somewhere. It's basically checking my boundaries or my perimeter, Mm -hmm. so to speak. And so then kind of flooding it with better boundaries yeah. To make sure that those are all kind of filled in or that somebody else can't get in. Sometimes it's spiritual mirrors, like deflecting it right back to them. Mm-hmm. But none of that's really done in ritual. I kind of do that in the moment as a way right. to recreate like the space around me and hold my ground. And I've been doing that a lot with my current house guest. <laughs> but... <laughs> yes. 
And I think I kind of do a version of that when I'm trying to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. Because one of my favorite ones, and it doesn't work as well in Texas as it did in New Mexico, and I'm not really sure why. But when I wanted to protect, like, the entire apartment complex near campus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a, because we had this little courtyard in the middle of our, like, one-story apartments. It was a really mm-hmm. great setup. I loved it. And so in the middle, like, about 30 feet above the the grass, um, mm-hmm. well, when it was grass anyway, <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I started picturing like this really giant weeping willow and it was oh. all made out of bright white light. And Love as it, it spilled down, it kind of encompassed the whole area. And I really liked that because I'd been told probably when I was in my late teens that when you're trying to brighten an area for protection, mm-hmm. that can draw in other things because they see the brightness and they want to eat it. Oh. And so, but that made it not tied to me and it was low key and nature based. So it seemed like it happened as a natural occurrence in my psychology mm-hmm. at least. So I'll do versions of that with other people, so to speak, something that's low key enough to to, to not make a target out of you, mm-hmm. especially if somebody is trying to draw on your energy to keep their life going. Because mm-hmm. the last thing they need to know is that suddenly there's a wellspring of positivity on this person. <laughs> I want more. No, no that right. wellspring is for them, not for you. Yeah. So it that's like my mentality when I go into it. But uh-huh. it's, again, it's not ritual. I don't have the focus for ritual unless I have a big thing going on and I'm doing it with other people. <laughs> No, I feel I feel the same way. I'm I'm kind of like that's why I wanted to have this brilliant answer and all this, yep. but it's real simple. Or kind of like you said, if I'm having a period where it's a rough period, for me, I kind of turn inward and do. This is going to sound cliche, but like some of that self help stuff or yeah, working on gratitude, working on making myself better, like listening to inspirational speakers and just. Which I've been having to do here lately because it's been kind of a little rough patch. And it's like, okay, I'm kind of a fixer. Like, okay, let's get motivated. Let's get. And so um, I kind of turned to that too. Um, Yeah, my podcast right now, I feel like is all like self-help. Get motivated. What are your goals? What are your dreams? (laughs) But it does put me in a more positive headspace and a more proactive headspace. So I guess that's a long-term goal. Nothing, I don't have any cool like crystals or anything like that. I kind of like you, I never really had the patience for <laughs> Yeah. And I will throw selenite at people because it's self-cleansing. <gasps> oh, yeah. But no, and that's, I think that's something that's, people bring it up periodically, but it's really underrated. Practices are a mix of the mundane and the magical. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it is a lot of spiritual work and a lot of holding yeah. your space and, and being kind to yourself, but it's also a lot of figuring out your internal psychology. It's yes. what negative self-talk is doing to me in this situation. What mm-hmm. can I do to fix the problem in the three-dimensional world? Like right. my house right. guest is occasionally a problem. When I can find words to articulate what the behavior is that's bothering mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. we talk about it in this reality. Like right. it's not all on the other side or all in magical practice. It's It's doing stuff here too, y'all. It's... <laughs> It's figuring out your psychology. It's having communication yeah. with the people around you. It's telling your coworker for the 19th time to, you know, don't interrupt you every five minutes, please. You need time to focus or knock before you enter your office or what have you. There are physical boundaries that you can set that go along with the the positivity in your life to to kind of bring and create things. And to be fair, there are some times where it doesn't matter how much you communicate with somebody, they are not going to change. And there's only so much you can do about it. And that's where we look for what we can do. And I think that's where your self-help stuff comes in a little bit better is what, what is in your control? Exactly. And, um, and I just think finding what works for you, for some people, it's yoga. For some people, it is meditation. For some people, they do love crystals and it's all beautiful. So I think it's finding what, what works for you for sure. Okay. So I think, I think it's my turn to go first now. Is it? Okay. I can't remember. I, I keep No, track. it's your turn. It's okay. your turn. We'll do yours. <laughs> um, everybody's going to be like, oh gosh. Um, but what are your, okay, this is a great question for us. What are your favorite books on these subjects? Oh, so many, so many, so many. I've got some books that I've had in my life that I don't really touch much. Mm-hmm. But the ones that I've been reading the most often lately. So wait, let me rewind again. So 
the books that I focused on the most growing up and initially getting into this were a lot of it was based on what we could figure out about the Druids and Celtic practices mm-hmm. because I knew my family was Irish and I could tap into that really easily and that was super chill. But what I've been doing the last couple of years is going back past my my on my dad's side, the immediate family. Yeah. Because they were, I mean, both sides of my family were very religious, but like, you know how the Catholic side can be spiritual religious and then the Lutheran side is very concrete religious. <laughs> right. I had to get past the concrete and go further up that family chain and I started tapping into the more Slavic side of my mm. family. And so one of my new favorite books is by Madame Pamita, but it's Slavic magic from the witch in the woods. It's Baba Yaga and uh, the book of witchcraft. And it's got cultural practices from like my family up the chain a little bit. And I absolutely love it because it's got things like house spirits and it's just permeating my brain. Like I can't even process what some of it is yet. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then to go along with that is Woodruff's Guide to Slavic Deities, because I do like incorporating a little bit of deity work or at least seeing what other gods are out there. Mm -hmm. And her book is like an encyclopedia, but with archaeology research and anthropology research and linguistic tracking. And it's 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 information overload in a book, not going to (laughs) lie. But it's super fascinating to see where the correlations are between different cultures and give me names that may fit better for a deity that I thought that it was this one, but it's actually Mm -hmm. one from over here. (laughs) And it's really cool to kind of approach my practice on that side of my family lineage a little bit more. And so those are the two that I'm working the most with right now. Oh, I love it. That's great. But none of them were about spiritualism or about contacting the dead. So I can't really answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's see, because I have a feeling two of mine you've either read or you have. So um, one of my all-time favorite books is Other Powers, The Age of Suffrage, Spiritualism, and the Scandalous Victoria Woodhull. Yes, that book is amazing. I love that book so much. I read it in college. It's it's like one of my go-to, even when we're doing research, like I'll flip through that book first and be like what does it have about this um another one is talking to the dead kate and maggie fox and the rise of spiritualism valid valid um but my overall favorite is droplets of god the life and philosophy of mavis patilla and i'm not gonna cry because i i was blessed to have uh mavis patilla as a mentor and i'm a little emotional because she just left us and passed away um, a few weeks ago, which um, still seems surreal. She is a legend. She is a true legend. She, I mean, it, I can't even believe I got to take classes from her. I, it's just still kind of it blows my mind. But when I was looking for advice that I've been given, I mean, everything Mavis ever told us was brilliant advice. And I was going through her book trying to pull out nuggets. She um, she called them her golden nuggets. And honestly, Caitlin, I was like highlighting whole pages. <laughs> I'm like, well, I can't just read the book. But I cannot recommend that book enough, Droplets of God, The Life and Philosophy of Mavis Patilla. It Especially now, and I've read it before I started taking from her, and then after I started taking from her, it just resonated so much more. And so that book is full of brilliant, beautiful wisdom. Anyway, I don't know that I'm going to get emotional if I keep talking, but those would be my book recommendations. They sound like absolutely amazing ones, and I wholeheartedly agree with other powers. I've I've been looking at rereading that one, actually, in anticipation of us eventually covering Miss <laughs> Woodhall because she's phenomenal. Yes. Oh, um, I think that was one of the books that kind of changed the game for me. When I found that in college, I was like, oh, I'm kind of loving this. So, Absolutely. I found that one a little bit later, but it definitely helped me kind of concentrate in my brain the tie-in between spiritualism and the women's suffrage movement. Yes. Like that one coalesced it perfectly in my brain. And so I think it'll live in my head full time for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. Next question. Number eight. Do you have a favorite type of music or playlist that helps you practice or focus on your craft? Um, (laughs) this one, it, it honestly changes 
with whatever I'm feeling at the time. I mean, my go-to is always Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac. I mean, Fleetwood Mac <laughs> and Stevie Nicks. I have loved them since my daddy introduced them to me when I was a really little girl. I mean, so I grew up with them. So that's a constant, um, probably why I love Practical Magic so much, because Stevie is on that playlist. But right now, I'm obsessed with Lord Huron and the Lumineers, which I have been for a while. But like when I need to get into that mode or that energy, that's what I listen to a lot are those two. But yeah, it really and it also depends like if I need to get pumped up for a reading, then I may be listening to like Macklemore, like some of these other ones, like when I need to just get some energy. That's another way I raise up my vibration is I dance around. Nobody I don't let anybody see me, but I dance around. I'm goofy. I listen to pump up music. But sometimes when I really want to focus and get more like in a quiet space, I'll turn on some Lord Huron and stuff. So, yeah. What about you? What is t- what helps you? Depends on what I'm doing. I think a lot of what you said with different artists, definitely how I approach it. If I'm <laughs> trying to like calmly focus, then mm-hmm. I will flip through Spotify looking for a uh, a meditation mix or mm-hmm. a, a, a peaceful mm-hmm. playlist. Other times when I'm having to deal with sometimes family issues and I am mm-hmm. not in the mood for things, I will turn on Goa. They mm-hmm. are uh, an artist that made a splash on, I think their introduction at least was via Eurovision, but that was one of the years I wasn't able to find it, to be able to watch it here in the States. But mm-hmm. they've got an intensity. They went viral on TikTok for a while too with cool. one of the sounds. And they've just got so much energy condensed into it that it'll help me focus. Yeah. Because, like, there's no choice but to focus when I'm listening to that one. <laughs> but then if I just want to get generally pumped, yeah. Greatest Showman soundtrack. <gasps> yes. No, I have that. I have that on mine. Yes. I am with you. I'll also do that one when I need to get, like, ready for a, a tour or something because... Uh-huh. Even though history is still very much the facts that we find, the way you tell the story can have an impact. And if you're holding yourself as like, let's get ready for the show, uh huh, then you'll hold more audience members better attention wise. But I really, I really like that one for getting pumped. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you one of my guilty pleasures. Um, 80s babies are going to know this song. But when I need to get pumped, do you remember that song that, okay, do you, okay, Labyrinth. Have you seen Labyrinth? Of course. Okay. I feel like that was a dumb question, but like that is one of my all time favorite movies. I remember that song Magic Dance when they've got the baby. It's like dance magic. (laughs) That is on my playlist. (laughs) When I need to get pumped up or feel my power, that's one of the songs I listen to. And I love it. Very fair. Oh my goodness. And if. You're not an 80s baby. You probably have no clue. <laughs> you may not know what I'm talking about. I mean. Or you may. Yeah. I think it's coming back. Depends on how they were raised. I I hope so. It needs to because everybody needs to see Labyrinth. So. It's definitely fascinating. I know. But yeah, that's, I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure or just a pleasure, but <laughs> that song pumps me up. I mean, you feel a little sheepish when you're talking about it, but I don't think it counts as a guilty pleasure because you bring it up a lot. So. I do. <laughs> People tend to hide their guilty pleasures. Plus, it's David Bowie. I mean, he's amazing. Okay, I think it is my turn. So the next question, it's a little more personal of a question um, from a listener. So here it goes. And I may paraphrase some of this. Um, When I'm drifting off to sleep and I'm in the space between asleep and wake, often I will hear a man say my name. I was told by a medium that I have a twin brother that never developed in the womb, I knew this and was always always had suspicions that he was supposed to have been a boy. So my question is, could this be my brother saying my name or a form of clairvoyance? How can I tune in and find out who it is exactly? Well, yeah, this one's more of an advice kind of question Mm -hmm. and not really my own personal experiences. But I do think that this one's going to tie back real hard to that trust conversation Mm -hmm. we had earlier. Yeah. Because no matter who tells you what and how many people you talk to, it's still going to come down to you and your core Mm -hmm. understanding who it is that's calling you. Yeah. And so beyond that, I would actually kind of not challenge you to question, but I am kind of curious what is making you question whether or not it's him. Like, 
Is there something that's making you think that it's somebody else or are you scared that it's him and you don't want to hear what he has to say? Mm. So that would be my response. What do you got? Well, um, kind of similar. Um, first of all, when the question, is it a form of clairvoyance? If you are hearing it, then it would be a form of clairaudience unless you're getting a vision with it. If you're hearing it and seeing like a man or someone, then you're using clairvoyance. But it's clairaudience you're experiencing. It, I mean, I'm kind of like you. I think you have to trust. Could it be your brother? Yes, I, I would go with, first of all, kind of with the trust, what is your gut instinct? When What do you feel? So not based on what someone else has told you. What do you feel in your gut, in your heart? Is that your brother or could it be someone else? I would trust that, honestly, over somebody else. Um, not saying they're wrong, but just trust what you really feel. If you feel this isn't my brother, then it probably isn't. It's probably somebody else. And how can you tune in to find out who it is? I would say, and this is kind of a bigger conversation, so I don't want to take up too much time, <laughs> but it's kind of sitting in that quiet space, sitting with yourself. Um, sometimes we call it sitting in the power and just and just clearing your mind and who, who do you feel it is? Who are you feeling around you? And I know that's kind of vague. And um, I know this person, so I can talk to him more. But it's just, it's to, to tune in, it's just sitting in a quiet space with yourself, just kind of clearing your mind. And it's, I hope that makes sense. I <laughs> No, yeah, I would absolutely uh -huh. say um, for practical advice on that theme yeah. is whatever you can do to put yourself in that space between asleep yes. and awake, but don't lie down in bed because then you might fall asleep. Oh. Like you want to be able to, if there's uh, music that you play when you're mm -hmm. going to sleep or if there's incense you light or uh, a diffuser that you have that sends a scent into your room, kind of like be in a darker space uh, physically, like turn lights off in your room. Don't go into a dark headspace. Sorry <laughs> to clarify, but you know, turn the lights down and do what you can to put yourself in a comfortable position that isn't lying down. Like you're going to sleep mm -hmm. to see if you can trigger that mental state mm -hmm. without then falling asleep. Yeah. And I think it's probably coming to you when you're between that space of asleep and awake, because that's really common because it's it's all about shutting off the conscious mind or quieting the conscious mind. And the conscious mind is what's telling you this isn't real. You're making this up. This is crazy. Like that's what we kind of call the conscious mind. It's that doubt. And when we're falling asleep, that quiet, I mean, that conscious mind gets really quiet because it's kind of closing down. And that's why so many people have experiences when they're kind of in that asleep, awake state or in your dreams. A lot of times it's easy for spirit to come in your dreams because you're quiet. I mean, your conscious mind is quiet. So that's kind of the goal is when you're sitting in that quiet space, you're, you're kind of qu quieting the conscious mind. So look, look into that. Look into sitting in the power. Look, and that may help. For sure. <laughs> now, the last... Oh, I think you have the last yeah. question. Yeah, very <laughs> last one. Yeah, so the last one we're going to cover today is why do you think that contacting the dead and placing so much emphasis on death practices and the afterlife have been such a pinnacle part of the ancient world since we started recording history? Ooh, this is the one I really wanted your thoughts on. So this is merely my opinion. I feel like it's always been about how people deal with grief and losing a loved one. It's a way of mourning the ones that we have loved and just believing that there's more to this world. But emphasis on the death practice, you see this in the ancient times and it's, but you see it in Victorian mourning, you see it today. I think it's a way to honor our loved ones, but to, I don't know, I think it's all about grief as well and kind of dealing with that. What do you think, Caitlin? I'm really curious. I think you're probably on to most of it because my take on it is, but it always has to do with the way we grieve, mm -hmm. no matter how you pull it away, is because the only reason that you'd be contacting somebody who has passed and there, it's not because of grief, it's because you also subscribe to the mm -hmm. belief structure that when someone dies, they have access to more knowledge mm -hmm. on the other side, and you're trying to get more understanding mm -hmm. of the universe. So because we're not even the only creatures who mourn, like we see elephants grieving yeah. the past the, the the family members that passed we see I believe chimpanzees and a, like all kinds of other animals have 
that need to have the ritualistic morning, mm-hmm. even if they don't have the same accoutrements that we mm-hmm. do. It it gives me that kind of back and forth conflict mm-hmm. is how much of it is for grief and right. mourning and how much of it is because we have an instinctive and intuitive knowingness of what's on mm-hmm. the other side without being able to articulate it. Yeah. And we're constantly trying to find a way to articulate it. Oh, so mm-hmm. I go back and forth on which one it is. Could be both. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it very well could be both. I was When I was thinking about this question, I feel like it was even easier in the ancient times because I feel like now when it comes to the afterlife, there's, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's almost like we have so much more coming at us. Maybe as science evolves and we become more scientific, it's like, well, that's not real. It can't be proven scientifically. Like, I feel like there's a lot more coming at us that it can't be real. It's not real. And back then, I feel like people were just able to believe and just and it, I don't know. Does that make sense? It was, it was almost like it was easier to believe that there was an afterlife or to know there was. I just feel like it's gotten a little harder as time has gone on with modern the modern world and science and so forth. I agree, but I don't know if it's because of science oh. or anything, because like as we've had technology and science develop, we get ghost stories of, you know, abandoned houses calling like calling your home Mm -hmm. like there are uh emergency service stories of firemen being called to houses that burned down 10 years ago right because somebody from that phone line called right and they tie it to the house and everything checks out but that house is not there anymore and that phone line has long since been defunct right so technology itself as a result of science and different scientific things, they've given us a lot more and a lot less, mm-hmm. like you said, because we have to prove it. Yes. But at the same time, it gives opportunities for the spirits to come through in different ways. True. So, and I'm always convinced my phone is possessed. You can ask anyone because it never <laughs> wants to do what it's supposed to. And that is just my life. <laughs> but <laughs> um, beyond that, it also makes me think of there. I can't remember who said it, but it's a quote that I saw years ago. And it had to do with dating, actually, of all things. But it's basically romance has a hard time flourishing in the time of fluorescent lights. Mm -hmm. And because we have better lighting and we can prove that there is, in fact, no one standing there, even though we saw a shadow a minute Mm -hmm. ago, it's easier to convince ourselves of things that aren't there Uh instead of having to trust and like, yes, I, I, I got rid of the shadow because I turned the lights on. Okay, but is the spirit still there? Right. We often skip that second part Mm -hmm. because we've been able to calm our rational mind and like okay we're good it's fine no one's in the house but that secondary kind of niggling in the back of your brain of it's still there it's still there it's still there it's easier to convince ourselves of it now than it used to be and i think that's part of it but i also think that it's not not there because of science right that Right. I feel like I've talked myself into a circle. Sorry. <laughs> no. And I think it's a it, it's a wonderful thought provoking question. Absolutely. And I love those because I don't think there is one right answer or there is one reason. There's I don't know. It makes you think. Yeah. And I mean, the more we know, the more we kind of realize that we still don't know anything because like when it comes to medical stuff um, and especially meds that help with our state of being. But sometimes your dosage for things for like diabetic meds is different than it should be for someone of your height mm-hmm. and age and size because your body processes it differently. So we're learning that the body does different things. When you go on psychological meds, you have to different meds do different things to different people and there's no real accounting for it. Right. So depending on how you look at the changes in scientific discovery, it it sabotaged the spiritual world, but it's also kind of proving that we still don't know much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. Well, very cool. This was fun, and I really enjoyed it. And if anybody has questions they want us to answer, please send them in to us, and we'll do more of these episodes in the future. And if we answered a question and you, and you think you have a better answer to that, let us know. Or if you have advice, like, hey, I've got advice on... I don't know how to tune in a little easier or anything like that. Let us know. We are always open to feedback. Yes. I mean, much like the scientific process, we we know what works for us. We don't know what works for you, but what works for you may be super helpful to a different listener. Absolutely. And I think that's the whole point is to help people and get the get the information out there. Absolutely. Well, very cool. Well, I feel like I learned a little bit more about you, Caitlin, even stuff Same. I thought I knew. <laughs> I feel like I learned a little bit about you, too. This was fun. 
this was fun. It all worked out it was how it should. Absolutely. Hopefully we will have some new and shiny episodes coming at you soon. Um, yes. Well, not hopefully. We have plans. Like, let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> so many topics. Oh, and I want to mention, I've had um, a listener uh, message me about topics they were interested in. And they had <gasps> some great suggestions. So please, if you're like, I really want to know about this topic, please send those in because we love getting those messages. Please tell us those things because we, I mean, we've been covering our favorite topics for the last few months. And yes, we have plans for a few episodes coming up, but we also may have not heard of the thing that you're interested in and it will trigger a whole new hyperfixation for us that we can absolutely <laughs> deep dive into. We would be absolutely. thrilled to see what y'all are interested in learning more about. In the meantime, though, thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and appease the podcast gods by leaving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to with podcasts. And while you're there, of course, hit subscribe so that you know when we release new episodes. And as always, like we just said, we want to hear from you. So let us know what you think about this episode and if there are any spirited topics you want us to explore in future episodes. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Calling All Spirits Pod, or you can email us at callingallspiritspod at gmail.com. And if you're feeling lucky, you can try contacting us via one of the many ways we've talked about in the past. Well, until then, thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.